keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. Uh, welcome to 2022. I am one of your hosts, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Scott Chaplin, Mike Lawrence, Robert Karpolis, Zachary Million. Uh, you know, welcome. Happy New Year. A lot of wrestling went down this week. They really uh, did not take it easy on us this week. I All I've watched is I've been in a COVID days. I do have COVID and I've been watching wrestling. So I told Rob Dan, Dan has COVID. Dan got COVID by uh, rummaging through the tribal chief's garbage. <laughs> uh, I was under his table. Just waiting for him. Uh, that's, that's, that's what it was. But um, yeah. Ooh, so the bloodline tastes like ketchup. <laughs> literally the only times that I've been awake have been like me and my wife eating or watching um day one <laughs> raw new year's evil wrestle kingdom and dynamite and so uh i'm all wrestled out folks the only way to watch nxt is to be under the influence of covid that's that's the only way you're making it through that show wait wait, wait. so did the doctor recommend if your mind and spirit is broken your body won't fall apart <laughs> yeah they it actually it's sweated out it's sweated out but uh, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to all of this week's happenings in wrestling. But we're roasting Edge this week. Uh, before we get to the bright side of Edge, uh, next week we're not having a roast. Um, I will not be uh, here for a couple weeks. I'll, I'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. Um, the boys will be taking over. Uh, but the week after that, we're doing Jake the Snake Roberts. And next week, uh, you know, Mike Robert and Scott will just let you guys know what the uh, what the schedule is for the rest of the month. So let's get to the bright side of the ring edge i feel like we should start with the host uh the host who got laid because of edge and that's robert robert edge got you laid edge got me laid um so that by that default alone he's probably my top five wrestler uh edge is in general i'd say he's probably in my top 10 of all time i think he's one of the most complete wrestlers that there are, uh, which sounds similar to what I talked about with Randy Orton in that he's, he's a great in-ring technician. He's great as a comedy act. He's great as a serious act. You can give him any piece of business and he's going to deliver for you. Uh, in working with him, he was the most professional person on the roster. Whenever I've talked in any interview ever about what was it like working there, the number one guy I said that I love working with and wish I had a roster of guys of, was edge uh when i was growing up the edge and christian stuff that comedy stuff with them and kurt angle hit me right in the sweet spot the uh the playing kazoos the reeking of awesomeness the very first shirt i ever bought was that edge and christian reek of awesomeness that ugly ass yellow shirt was yeah, was I proud i got it it was great um his match with foley at wrestlemania was an all-timer uh his feud with john cena 
those guys were were the perfect chemistry for one another. He, he's uh, the guy I thought who got Cena over as a top baby face first. Absolutely. Uh, More he, so than he, Angle and Jericho. Well, sure. Angle only had a short window of time yeah. for it, and Jericho was on his way out, but it was really <laughs> Edge. Um, you know, money in the first guy to cash in money in the bank guy who basically made the money in the bank match TLC. He had some great hell in his cells that pop from ECW one night stand when he lays out John Cena for Rob Van to have Rob Van Dam win is, is awesome. He had four amazing theme songs. You think, you know, me, the brood thing that, that Rob zombie never going to stop and meddling is like four amazing theme songs for him. Uh, and just overall, uh, a really awesome dude. And, uh, I'm happy that he's back now after I thought his career was over almost a decade ago at this point, And he's still delivering outside of that mismatch. I know we're on the bright side. I'm pretending that mismatch didn't happen. We're on the bright side here since he's been back in general it's been it's been a blast. And well, I mean, uh, do you blame and Omas Almas AJ? Do you blame AJ? You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, and and what the problem is, you know, one of the best ugly tattoos of all time. That big stupid uh, sun thing on his arm is like a great ugly wrestling tattoo. Yeah, him, him and Punk really go rivalry with stupid tattoos. Scott, what, were you an Edge guy? I mean, I, w- I wasn't an Edge guy, but I love a bunch of Edge matches. I think he, you know, he has some of the more exciting matches, especially when he was on top. Like, I mean, something that sticks out to me aside from the TLC matches, which, dude, stole shows that Austin and The Rock were on. You know what I mean? It's like it wasn't easy what they were doing. Uh, they had to kill themselves to do it, but they did it and they did it often. But yeah, Foley versus Edge at WrestleMania, Flair versus Edge, and it was a TLC on a Raw or something. I mean, that's probably Flair's last best match, right? In terms of well, Shawn Michaels at twenty four. I mean, yeah, some people but, don't like it. I love that was it. a great nostalgia match, but I think in terms of actual in ring, like seeing Rick yeah. be Rick, it was probably. I guess, I guess seeing match. Flair willing to to die like that was. was as a kid, very cool to see an old man do that. I don't know what I would Anahashi think. Anahashi is but... taking that mantle, by the way. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah. Mike, yeah, I like that man. I know, you know, he I, I know he's he is John Cena's main rival during that whole period of time. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about that whole period of time. Uh I did like this, you know, I, I liked the him and edge, uh him and Matt Hardy feud. Like the the first night it happened, and then it wasn't very good. But yeah, his stuff with Cena is awesome. Him teaming up with Rey Mysterio, I loved that. I loved when it was like the SmackDown that that core six guys, uh, where it was like Eddie Angle, um, Ben was Benoit one of them. Benoit, yeah. Ray, Chavo, and Edge. yeah, uh, man, they had but the SmackDown matches. Redacted Five. <laughs> <laughs> And his return, holy shit, he looks better than ever. He has had great matches. His feud with Orton was probably the best feud in WWE two years ago, right? So, absolutely, yeah, man, one of the so best promos the in like period. And he was always a, a very good promo, but his promos now are unbelievable and so great. And uh, yeah, he's just solid TV, man. His return at the Rumble was a big deal. He just has a bunch of awesome moments that I love that make me love wrestling, yet I don't give a shit about Edge. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Huh. Mike. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he had the greatest wrestling match ever against Randy Orton. Uh, <laughs> I will say this: that was a that was a really good match. I know it's not it's not oh, even yeah. a top a thousand matches ever, but if you watched it, like especially because, and I put all that on Vince and Charlie Caruso for digging them in a gigantic hole. Oh, it was Vince, a rib. It was totally a rib. Vince for coming with the idea, and Charlie Caruso for maybe delivering the worst line in <laughs> WWE history uh and then these guys you know they they, they did a good job with it i thought it was a, it was a cool match especially for a COVID. i mean match. I, I love edge um you know he's you know it, it's interesting because you know we ended the year with foley and i kind of wanted to start the year with someone we like too <laughs> you know yeah. it's like let's start somewhat positive you know non-murdery and it's like you know edge is like foley in the fact that you know He's one of us. He's he's a fan that made it. Like you could tell that he really sincerely loves wrestling. Um, you know, uh the fact that he, you know, he did come back and you know, worked with new people, did new shit. Uh, you know, it's like he didn't come back just to come back. It's not, you know, it's like Goldberg. There's like such a cynicism with a return like that, where it's nothing new. And it's just for the money. But, you know, Edge, you know, I'd say was the best WWE performer last year. You know, the shit that he did with Rollins. Uh, you know how great he was in that mania. You know, that that promo. It's like he's a guy that, yes, he can cut great promos in front of a crowd. He probably, I'd say, with Orton was probably the best Thunderdome promo guy. That he was just able to connect to an audience, even when there isn't one. I think it, I think that's fucking hard to do. That, that's all those sci-fi shows. He's used to connecting to an audience that is not yeah. there. Yeah, an empty an empty studio was his haven. <laughs> He's but apparently you know, really good I, in that, by the way. I, I think, He's apparently really you know, good. and it's also it's like that. Uh, their show on the network was genuinely fun, you know, for, for a show that didn't have enough money to pay WGA comedy writers. Uh, you know, the, the edge and Christian show was really fun. And, and the fact that they seem, you know, like, like they're legit childhood friends, like, and how much they care about each other. And, and I think that it's like, you know, edge is a guy that, yeah, it did end early for him. And, to see him return is like you're happy for him like i think that there's like a lot of wrestlers that we're fans of but i think there's so few that we're personally invested in as people and i feel like adam copeland the guy is someone that you know we all want to see succeed except scott i guess no i want to see him succeed man i'm telling you like you know there's something there it's just there's something where you go like you're not he's not anybody's top 25 you know i disagree robert said he's in his top 10 he's in my top 10 in terms of he's a liar that's fair (laughs) that's fair and and scott's only saying that because matt hardy's on the AEW payroll which scott's on and he has to take matt's position i'm also disappointed that it was vicky guerrero wasn't it it was during the vicky guerrero feud that's how he got you laid (laughs) <laughs> and he was still alive then so no oh no uh, jesus uh anyway i'm kind of disappointed mike didn't bring because i had it on my notes but i assumed he was going to say one of the most fun characters to play in the video games the edge spear was always oh, and no, a and no, blast. Awesome. no dude edge edge was fantastic to play in in smackdown versus raw because he had a lot of finishers he had that like uh i 
the execution, right? What, what was the finisher yeah. where it was like a sharpshooter, but he would stand forward still? That was, that the, was really the educator. Badass. Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, cool. there we go. Wait, wait a minute. You're saying execution, not execution, right? Which I'm still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you seen the the clip of him on the talk show with Bret Hart, where he was like just a fan? He wanted, he asked Bret, he's like, well, you know, what do I need to do to become a wrestler? It's super fun because it's Bret Hart at the peak of when Bret Hart thought he was the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he kind of big times. I don't know him, if that really peak fun. is stopped. I don't no. know. No, no. Plateau for over 30 years. No, yeah, his Bret appearance Hart on Russell Rose a few weeks ago. Was, yeah, he was on <laughs> Russell <laughs> Rose. That was legit, the top. A legit question I have is, you know, I know the story is that he wrote an essay to a wrestling school that why he wanted to be a wrestler and he got accepted and that's how he got the, the free training. Is that is that essay available? I don't know. I haven't checked it out. I haven't even read the Eddie Kingston players or uh, players tribune article yet. And I hear that's fantastic. So check it out. It's, um, it's a drawing. It's like, you know, when you go to the food store and they have like drawings that like kids do, it was that he had like the best hand painting to be a wrestler. It was just a turkey. Yeah, it's <laughs> a turkey. For some reason, I thought you were well, talking about Eddie Gooker Kingston. at the time, really obviously. Uh, Eddie Kingston and art therapy would be fucking hilarious. Oh my God! Yeah, this is this is a picture of the trees I never saw growing up. I stood here, I stood here for fifteen minutes with my dick in the wind, so you kids could understand what art is. I just like the Dan's impression of him is just Linda Richmond from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> oh my God! It is. Uh, Kingston, can we talk? <laughs> <laughs> uh mark norman said this about me he's like every one of your act outs is just kenny rogers freaking out at a dmv which <laughs> is true um some kayfabe accomplishments four-time wwe champ seven-time wwe heavyweight champ five-time intercontinental champion united states champ 14-time wwe tag team champion king of the ring money in the bank two-time royal rumble winner tag team and match of the year for wrestling observer and the wwe hall of fame like Robert said, the amount of matches, you know, the match with Foley at Mania, his his match with Taker at Hell in a Cell, his match with Seth at Hell in a Cell, uh, the, the four-way at Backlash right after WrestleMania 22, you know, he, he reinvented, you know, it, it takes a lot for, you know, like, like Scott was saying, like during the Attitude Era of having like Austin go, God damn, son, you know, and, and those were the matches that he went God damn, son, about. They weren't, they weren't the fucking Goldberg matches on the other channel. Uh, and he does. He seems like a genuinely good dude and a family man and somebody that I was like, oh, I think I could have a conversation with this guy and like not feel the sadness of the wrestling business, which is saying a lot. Um, Zach, you're a big edge guy. Any any uh, any thoughts? Uh, I think everybody's just about covered everything about edge. No, I, 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 I like edge. I he was never my favorite but he represents a huge part of nostalgia for that part of my time as a wrestling fan. So I think that's why I'm a, I'm a loyal edge head. Yeah. You know, um, it, what's interesting about edge is that like his body of work is almost more impressive than him as the wrestler. Like if you look at like, like I, I, I think, you know, like I wouldn't like, I, I like CM Punk more than I like edge, but I think that edge probably had more maybe not the best moments compared to like the summer of punk or something like that um or the pipe bomb but i think overall he probably has had 
a, a better long-term career than punk as far as like different beats along the way if you look at like every single part of his career there was like a hit you know um yeah it's like like punk is guns and roses like a few great albums and edge is cheap trick <laughs> uh I, I, they're always before, around yeah <laughs> he's like the guitarist of you too or something you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, Edge is great. Uh, he's he's one of the few, and especially, I will say, you know, me and Robert have watched most every Raw the past two years, and uh, Edge has been one of the bright spots in an otherwise uh, three-hour slog. So it's funny um, you could have just said that sentence ten years ago. I could have. I could have. <laughs> it's also, you know, you know what I, I want to give like slight mention to. One of my favorite Edge performances is uh, One Night Stand 2005 when Heyman's cutting the promo and he, you know, Matt freaking Hardy! Like, because you see so many of the other guys and they are going so over the top, like a, a Scorpio Sky-esque delivery, if it were. But Edge's reaction is so fucking funny. And I still think about it all the time. It's one of my favorite promos, and like he really makes that promo better. Well, he actually the, the beer it, with right? the spit take. Oh, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and actually he sells it. Um, and give it up for uh, every thirteen-year-old boy who watched the live sex celebration and uh, freeze their DVR when you saw Lita's nipple for half a second. And, and give it up for the Sandman for waiting till the arena was clear to lick up that beer that Edge spit out. <laughs> Uh, like a white trash Zamboni. They just <laughs> push him around like a Swiffer. Um, all right, let's get to the Rose to Edge. I didn't have as many jokes this week because uh, me and the Wuhan bat were uh, making out. Um, but uh, Mike, who do you want to go first? Well, since you sold yourself so well. <laughs> all right. This, this joke is my Scott joke of the Rose. But Edge, the rated R superstar. Opposed to John Pierre Lafitte, the rated R superstar. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Man, it's it's true. COVID really does take away your taste. <laughs> <laughs> he, he appeared on Canada Reads, which sounds like an obnoxious line in a Bret Har Hart promo. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, Canada Reads. Um, <laughs> He's the ultimate opportunist if we're not counting Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> he appeared on The Weakest Link, which is the one time in history it should have been Christian. <laughs> He's one of WWE's greatest heels, which is pretty impressive when you pull off a baby face move like fucking Matt Hardy's wife. His first tag team was called Sex and Violence, not to be confused with the upcoming Dark Side episode about Paige and Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> then he joined a tag team called the suicide blondes which is what you write if you can't spell von eric he may not be the most beloved wwe legend but he's the one who still takes vince's phone calls he looks like what would happen if von wagner's parents didn't fuck at a nuclear power plant his current run is a credit to training diet and part-timers being ineligible for wellness tests uh, his first name was Sexton Hardcastle, which his first ring name was Sexton Hardcastle, 
which is also what Cornette calls himself when he makes the knights from medieval times fuck his wife. <laughs> and finally, Money Plane isn't just a classic movie starring Edge and Kelsey Grammer, but how Tommy Dreamer describes the settlements made to Ric Flair's flight attendants. <laughs> that's it for me. Uh, that's great. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, today we're roasting Edge, or as Lita called him, Matt Hardy version two. A lot of people blame Edge for what happened there, but really it's Lita's fault for finally sobering up and realizing she was fucking Matt Hardy. (laughs) Now he's with Beth Phoenix. She helps him with his neck injury from all those bumps, and he helps her with her hearing loss from sitting next to Mauro (laughs) Ranallo. Edge had to give up wrestling in 2011, right before he could wrestle Ryback, which is why he was able to come back at all. <laughs> I was reluctant to do this roast because the guy just had a 20-minute match with Miz. Like, hasn't he suffered enough? <laughs> He's the only wrestler that was at WrestleMania 6 that isn't dead or canceled. <laughs> he went on to have memorable feuds and matches long after all your friends stopped watching wrestling. <laughs> well, Austin and The Rock aren't around, but Edge is having some great matches with Nunzio. Wait, where are you going? <laughs> I said Nunzio. <laughs> he was Cena's best opponent that wasn't the Taiwanese government, and Undertaker's best opponent that isn't a Black Lives Matter protest. <laughs> you could see from his early days that he was going to be a star. Then again, anyone would look like a star next to Christian. That's like hitting on a girl while being the wingman for the elephant man. <laughs> uh, where are my peeps at? Uh, people say the WWE Hall Christian of Fame. sound like Buffalo Bill. <laughs> people say that the WWE Hall of Fame is bullshit, but Edge is in it and Christian isn't. So it. Bit of it. <laughs> Yes, the ceiling became a lot lower for who could be a star in the 2000s, but Edge used the ladder to break through it anyway. (laughs) Edge answers the question, what if Chris Jericho seemed like a decent person backstage and was aware that he can't sing? (laughs) His first match in the WWF was with Bob Holly, which is what they refer to as paying all your dues up front. (laughs) His spear is supposed to be this devastating finisher, but just looks like someone rushing to hug you at a fish concert. (laughs) And finally, he gave himself the nickname Sexton Hardcastle, which just sounds like the name Dan makes his wife call him when he shaves his beard. (laughs) (laughs) That bearded cow Dan doesn't exist anymore. I'm Sexton Hardcastle, baby. Uh. That's, That's sad that, like, fucking... When I thought of Sex and Hardcastle, I thought of Cornette. And when Mike thought of me, <laughs> who's next? Uh, let's go with uh, Scott. All right. Um, Edge. He's a rated R superstar and a rated F movie star. <laughs> Before Edge, a spear was just something Vince forced Kamala to carry. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. What? Vince forced it. Vince is the bad guy, not me. <laughs> By the way, you could just blow on that joke and uh, Apollo Cruz's name replaces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love his theme song. It starts off with, you think you know me. You think you know me. You think you know me. Uh, lyrics by Jake the Snake's daughter. Edge's <laughs> <laughs> ass is so flat. Bill Cosby's son pulled over to help change it and got shot in the head. Oh, Jesus. Remember that? That, that wasn't a flat tire. It was Edge's ass, guys. I love, I love that you did a very offensive Cosby joke without going. <laughs> yeah, you guys it's are like the first time in history. Right it's now. the first time in like 10 years that somebody's been like, hey, man, take it easy on Bill Cosby. It's an art, man. It's an art. Edge's ass is so flat. AJ Styles thinks it's the world. <laughs> he has the body shape of Crash Bandicoot. When Edge cashes money in the bank, he beats John Cena for the WWE title. When Teddy Hart cashes money in the bank, he is told it's counterfeit, and now he must wait for the police. (laughs) (laughs) Edge versus Mick Foley, the flaming table. Did you know the only thing more devastating than a table on fire is a table with 8 by 10s of Virgil on them? Like literally the opposite of a table on fire. <laughs> a table Virgil set up outside of Comic-Con. <clears throat> Edge had an affair with Lita. An affair. Not to be confused with a fair, which is where Jeff Hardy now works the merry-go-round. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the greatest match ever, which means five years ago he did Japanese face in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> My only explanation. Uh, His thinner physique and facial hair was inspired by Christ on the cross. One time his entrance was by Rob Zombie, but lately his entrance just robs Gangrel. (laughs) He looks like if old man Logan was about Logan Paul. (laughs) The Edge and Matt Hardy thing is a lot like when MTV2 let Dan St. Germain on their network in that it broke guy code. (laughs) <laughs> just broke it hey man they fired me after the first season and then the show took off <laughs> damn That's good history right uh edge and christian otherwise known as e and c or when teaming with benoit cte <laughs> he was a little kid in the audience at wrestlemania 6 he saw hogan versus warrior and decided in that moment that one day he too would sleep with his opponent's wife <laughs> Uh, Edge was the true innovator of tables, ladders, and chairs. Bubba Ray, the innovator of bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> because of him, when Jeff Hardy falls off the wagon, they they call it speared off the ladder. <laughs> oh, did you hear Jeff got speared off the ladder again? <laughs> yeah, man, he shouldn't be on the road. <laughs> uh, and finally... I think Edge, like the greatest compliment I can give him is he made me want to cheer at Matt Hardy. Uh, Unfortunately, the cheer was, you deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) You deserved it. Oh, man, this has been a great roast of Matt Hardy. (laughs) I think better than our roast of Matt Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, if you don't want to get hurt on this show, just have a feud with Matt Hardy. We, we won't even pay attention to you. <laughs> Robert? Uh, early in his career, Edge competed as Sexton Hardcastle. 
Hardcastle is what Scott and Dan got watching Wrestle Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Edge was part of the brood, which for me is the best entrance in wrestling. The fans were always disappointed by it because that meant they'd have to watch a brood match. (laughs) Edge's theme song, You Think You Know Me, was less about his mysterious persona and more a premonition of what it would be like after years of concussions. (laughs) Edge was married to Val Venus's sister, then slept with Lita while she was with Matt Hardy before finally marrying Beth Phoenix. It sounds like his love life was booked by Vince Russo. (laughs) Yes, Edge fucked Lita while she was in a relationship. But in his defense, you couldn't beat his pickup line of, I'm not Matt Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) The Edge-O-Matic, Education, Downward Spiral, Educator, Edge would use a lot of different finishing moves on his opponents, but exclusively use the spear on their wives. <laughs> Edge was the first person to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase, which is the only piece of luggage in WWE history no one has shit in. <laughs> Edge initially retired after his WrestleMania match with Alberto Del Rio. Going one-on-one with Del Rio is also what ended Page's career. <laughs> Undertaker famously chokeslammed Edge to hell which is still a better fate than having to join Christian in the impact zone. (laughs) On the History Channel, Edge was a Viking for two seasons, which is a lot longer than Brock Lesnar was. (laughs) Edge's fans are known as Edgeheads, which also sounds like what you'd call someone addicted to meth. Edge himself never touched meth, even though there's no way that drug would eat through his fucking massive teeth. (laughs) Edge grew up a huge Hulkamaniac. Hogan was a fan of Edge's right until he saw Edge kissing Alicia Fox. (laughs) As a college student, Edge got a degree in radio broadcasting, a medium perfect for Christian's face. (laughs) In his famous TLC match, Edge speared Jeff Hardy from the top of the ladder, which was the most dangerous bump Jeff ever took without getting a wellness policy violation. (laughs) Edge was trained by Sweet Daddy Seeky, which sounds like the name of a pimp from a Disney animated film. (laughs) During WrestleMania 18, Edge feuded with Booker T over being in a Japanese hair care ad because someone on the all-white creative team assumed Booker and Edge used the same shampoo. (laughs) Over the years, Edge became John Cena's most hated rival not named Nikki Bella. Edge participated in a live sex celebration with Lita, but because he's just a rated R superstar, the only people fucked were the censors. (laughs) Upon Edge's return in 2020, he faced Randy Orton in a last man standing match. Edge won when Randy, along with the audience, got bored and fell asleep. (laughs) And finally, Edge's nickname was the ultimate opportunist, a moniker that is now proudly around the shoulders of Nick Khan. Fuck you, Nick Khan. (laughs) Nick is like, I don't even know your name. Okay, who's that? Uh, Why is he Batman? No, no, there's that meme that like of Nick Khan as Thanos. It's really oh. funny. It, it's like, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like um, Bray Wyatt. You, you fired me. I don't even know your name. You know, it's like, I don't know. Nick Khan anyway. at this point is like, after I left for college, my dad clearing out all my toys and just not caring which ones were important <laughs> or valuable. It's like, they're all fucking gone. I mean, his nephew is still getting a lot of work as the DJ on NXT. I know that. That's some sway. For now. For now. For now, right. Um, yeah, the right. only person that's got job security there. 
<laughs> Edge is awesome. But yeah, there is. It is kind of you know, weird. They keep him because they make him play closing time every time they fire someone. Looking at his looking at his romantic history, it's almost as if like he met Roman Reigns and his wife, and he was like, "Wait a minute, you're allowed to date outside here." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like he's just like completely. He's like, "Yeah, I just meet girls in catering. That's it." Um, all right, show and hell. This uh, this week we uh, we we tackled one of the most memorable. I'm just joking. This was not memorable, but it probably was highly rated because almost every wrestling wedding and divorce is highly rated. Even the one with the Miz and Maurice last week with the brood entrance, that was a high rated segment on the show. Because fans um, believe in true love, Dan. Yeah, they do. Uh, it, it's it's because of the female audience that WWE has that AEW doesn't have yet, which is kind of bizarre that that's what they gravitate towards, but whatever. Um, Mike, you picked this horrendous segment. Uh, what was your rationale? You know, my rationale was... Uh, okay, wait, I'm sorry. I, I have to preempt you. This is when Edge demands a divorce from Vicky after Vicky resigns as GM. Keep going, Mike. Yeah, so, well, I, you know, it, it was twofold. Um, I really wanted us to talk about Vicky, the character... How, how weird or not weird it was, uh, the, the treatment of her. <laughs> um, and, and I think, um, you know, it's just like, I mean, it was tough because like Edge is always good and shit, including this. You know, he's like a dick, um, but it, it works. Uh, the live, you know, I think we covered like this era, like the live sex celebration and all that when we talked about Lita and, and, and Katie. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, so I, I didn't want to go back to like oh four oh five. I, I thought a little later would be good, but yeah, man, I still don't know how I feel about the Vicky stuff because yeah, this this segment is like he divorces her because she resigns as GM, and so now she has no power, and he doesn't want to be with her, and he calls her ugly, and he's really mean to her, and he comes off like a baby face to the crowd, and she's like crying and and screaming, and it just like. I don't know, man. It's it's weird because it's like, on the one hand, yes, like she got work and made some money, all of that, but it still feels weird, like booing the widow of a very beloved <laughs> performer. And it, it was it like did did Vince see her during the like Eddie Guerrero tribute videos and was like, I fucking hate her. <laughs> It's like it's so it's so odd to me, and I, I'm sure uh, you know it, it. I mean, this segment says a lot about Vince in his mind, and I'm sure R Robert will elaborate on that a bit. Uh, and, and and I'd like to know what your guys' thoughts were on the treatment of uh, Vicky Guerrero because this segment to me was cringe, but Edge was still entertaining in it. Yeah, I mean, my thought is. I completely agree with you in the sense that it's uncomfortable, but Vicky does a really good job at it. So yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of like, Ugh, I don't know. Um, I mean, he calls her a fucking she beast, which I'm sure is was Vince's first pitch for Dewdrop. But, but <laughs> I think this is the night after she had like a hog pen match. Yes, she had a hog. She had a fucking hog pen. That was the last match. Is that she was she was trying. And, and the announcers are making pig noises during this segment. And then she got like a job in healthcare after this. Like that's the funniest thing. She just got like a normal job, but oh yeah, she went yeah. to school and graduated and shit. Yeah. 
it's just uncomfortable for me when they call women fat who clearly aren't fat. You know, like that's like Vicky Guerrero is not fat. She's not, she does not look like Maurice. No, but she's not, you know, fucking, you know, screaming my son, my son, I want my son, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little weird for me. Um, I, I guess my feelings are conflicted about it. Robert. Yeah, this, uh, the, the challenge with this is, is, is as far as sort of, I guess Vince's mindset or any of this is, Vicky is an incredibly sweet, really fantastic woman. But in Vince world, she is th- this predates the the era of like the Karen with that haircut and that tone and that idea of this, you know, uppity entitled person that you want to see get their comeuppance. And Vicky can play shrill and she would get heel reactions unlike anybody else on the roster. Her screaming, excuse me, would piss off the 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 adult males who felt like this is my nagging wife it would piss off the kids who feel like this is my mom or my school teacher and you want to see something embarrassing happen to her sometimes that worked just fine she was a great shitty heel uh, authority figure and reminded me of and I, I I'm not the, the best with the Harry Potter world but there was like the one lady who was the Harry Potter school like ran the school for a little while and everybody hated her and you want to see something happen to her. The problem with Vicky, especially in this storyline is, and I, one of the things I, I pitched was their wedding is so uncomfortable because they revealed during the wedding that edge was sleeping with the, uh, the wedding coordinator who was Alicia Fox and Vicky still marries him anyway. Cause she's so desperate for anybody to love her. Isn't Big and Show fucking her? Isn't that also like a swerve? There was something at some point with Big Show involved in it, but it was convoluted and weird. And you could have it be Edge was just using her for uh, her, her power, which made sense. But you don't have to go into the physical stuff that the crowd keeps popping for. And that's the part that's the most uncomfortable is you're not tearing down Vicky Carrero, the loathsome character on TV. You're attacking the way she looks. And you're like, yeah, you look like, you know, people see us, they think you're my mom. And it's like Vicky still landed Eddie and they were together for a very long time. It, it's not like they they cast somebody intentionally to make them really ugly and unappealing and put bad makeup on them or like Jillian Hall with the thing on her face. Uh, Vince loves that kind of stuff, though. It's It's this weird, uncomfortable misogyny that he thinks is hilarious and Edge a hundred percent came across as the baby face for tearing down this woman at her lowest point, telling her he never loved her, telling her she's ugly and, and fat and that he's uh, he's, he's done with her. Well, folks, I got some breaking news. Samoa Joe has been released by WWE. What? Didn't they fire him already? (laughs) And then hire him. Yep. Uh, And fire him. You yes. can't fire him. It's like in, double jeopardy. Doesn't he in, get to yes. shoot someone now? Doesn't he get to kill someone and he doesn't go to jail for it? He you know, this is, I like that it was like triad. breaking news of yeah. talking about somebody that WWE cast as fat. So, <laughs> <laughs> a very heavy segment. Um, boy, uh, we'll, we'll get to Joe. Uh, it's, at least we don't have to go back and re-record after. Hey, that's what always happens. Joe. Well, that, well, that was just, <laughs> you know what we should say? Uh, you know, we here at WrestleRose apologize to insert fired wrestlers here <laughs> the worst yeah, part is yeah. when they fired samoa joe nick khan's son played a sad trombone as he walked away <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because it sounds like he comes out to a sad trombone at this point this is just like vince like 
telling Triple H he's not allowed to have friends anymore. It's yeah, not right. even like he's not allowed to hang out with his old friends. They clearly led you astray. You cannot be with the friends you used to be friends with. What yeah. this means is Monday's Raw is going to open with Stephanie and Hunter recreating this segment of her <laughs> divorcing him in the middle of the ring. And it's going to be like Homer Simpson with a little camera of his heart until it explodes and he dies. He dies of the heart attack. I just imagine Triple H sitting in catering with that no house cup and ball. Like that's all he gets to do. <laughs> by the way, thank God Shawn Michaels doesn't have a cell phone or he would have been fired by now too. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, Shawn's been in the woods the whole time. Yeah, Shawn's the only one who can see a firing coming because it's always from the side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, what did you think point. of the segment? Wait, which oh, oh, the Vicky segment. Sorry. Yeah, no, we're back to Vicky. I, I was so stuck on uh, the firings. Um, we'll get so to those. Looking, look at the time, I hated it. I hated it so much. I thought it was so disrespectful to Vicky. I didn't understand why Edge, as I'm, I'm a kid watching this, and uh, uh, a thing with Edge that I realize now, looking back this week, is he was younger than I thought he was because I was a little kid when he was on TV, and then by the time I was in high school, he was still on TV. So I was like, oh, you're an old man. You just must be. That's how time works. And he was a kid. So when you watch this segment, it, there is at least a little play on. He does kind of look like like a douchebag, like California type guy who's like going to be a gold digger. He looks like that. So there is that. Other than that, no, man, it's like the Vicky shit is is unforgivable. I don't understand why anybody let it happen. Like they it should have literally Chavo and them should the, the Guerrero should have jumped Vince. They should have jumped him. You know, you, you know what the Vicky Guerrero stuff makes me do? Respect Martha Hart. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> she um, knew better, man. Like, like yeah. fuck. You know, like look what they did with Melanie Pillman. Like, I I just the Vicky stuff. Oh, I, wait I, didn't a minute. Make... I don't know if they did. <laughs> I, I can't, you can't put that all on WWE, but no, you kind of can when you understand. I mean, you could probably guess your mental state. And also you, you need to be aware of someone's mental state at that moment to go, uh, you know, it's kind of like Ro Joe Rogan interviewing someone who just got knocked out. He doesn't do it anymore. Cause it's wrong. Don't interview someone right after someone died. Cause it's, so the moral high ground belongs died. to Joe Rogan in this situation. <laughs> Wait, what did I do about Joe Rogan? So that, that's where the moral high ground is, Joe Rogan. Oh, I'm not one of these people who pretends Joe Rogan is a problem. I'm sorry. Robert's views are Robert's own because he doesn't work <laughs> in comedy like the rest of us. I love news radio, and I think he was great in news radio. And I don't know what it, happened Mike to him is, after Mike that is show. flashing the Joe Rogan albums yeah. he owns right now in back of him. Yes. I don't know what happened to Rogan after he left news radio, and I, I, I'm sure he's very happy he became more famous uh, than much johnny like, carson the funny thing about the vicky stuff is they all pat themselves in the johnny carson there's no they all patted that. themselves in the back with the vicky stuff for years like look at how great this is that we took this woman who was had no tv experience we made her a character we got her all this money and all this exposure we're the best and i'd heard that so many times subsequent to, to leaving there of how proud they were that they gave vicky a job and it's like this was the, the you know, four-year version of Fear Factor. What can we make this person do for money? And she was happy to do it because, you know, she's they do this to a lot of the women. They did this to Mickey James when they did the whole Piggy James thing. And they planned on coming out in, like, you know, pig noses. I remember my wife looking like, so they're saying that woman's supposed to be fat? 
And it wasn't a joke. Like in Vince's mind, he thought Mickey James was fat and that was how he was going to shame her. Has Vince never seen a fat lady? Like, that's my question. Like, has he just never been to a fucking Ponderosa steakhouse? They, they did like, have Bertha Fay. Yeah, that's true. Like, and but that was always played for because that was funny where it's like, oh, we'll make Bruno have to be her her, uh, her boyfriend. And that to him is like, that's pure comedy. It's a fat lady with a skinny guy. Also, I had a note for this segment, uh, which is uh, I've got to invest in headphones or my wife will leave me. <laughs> uh, that was also, the segment was 10 minutes. Like, I, this felt forever. I don't yeah, miss yeah, but this era. If it, if it happened in 2022, it would be a half hour. Yeah. Yeah, with entrances, it would be a half hour. Yeah, there would be, three, I mean, there'd be I, fucking I, three I Sonic say, commercials in that segment. <laughs> but the last thing I wanted to say about Vicky is that. Um, you know, she did she did over deliver when she was given this shit. And it is nice to see her now in AEW where it feels like she gets to be on her own terms more. Yeah. Or Mike thinks he's never watched an episode of Dark where I'm sure she's on 90% of the time. <laughs> Dark. I haven't seen Dark in a while. I hear it's like fucking 30 matches now or something. Yeah crazy it's like a telephone well that's a that's an easy transition to our dynamite or dud hell of a show last night amazing amazing dynamite in my mind but we'll get everybody's opinion on it hour one we have uh, adam page versus brian danielson which i actually think i like better than okada and osprey uh, which i know may be sacrilegious to some purists out there but i really love that match scott was there live so I'm, i'm interested to see his take on it. Uh, there was this really great MJF CM Punk segment. Um, there was a Jericho promo that was there. Uh, there was an undisputed era promo uh, and a Wardlow skulk squash. All in all, I thought this was an excellent first hour. Uh, what did you think about this, Scott? You were there. Yeah, man, I was there. Uh, it was in Newark, which is, it was like 18 minutes away from my apartment. And I drove there, parked, 10 minutes a 10 minute walk away from the venue and jogged there uh listening to hangman's music of course like you know any and anybody about to go see uh and defend his title for the third Are you jogging out of excitement or fear that you're walking through newark <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way you get around in newark no 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 that that's when i was walking back to the car at night uh that, that's when uh accompanied by oh shit oh shit oh shit but yeah man this the first match was unbelievable live obviously because it was unbelievable right it was an unbelievable match i I think it was better than okada osprey i think so i mean i I don't think you can get better than that and a a professional wrestling match that match not with those judges (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know we can we can discuss the judges and and you know i think obviously we all expected names and they didn't do that but I also understand where it's like it was kind of a red herring. And at the same time, if you do have a judge, like, would it distract? And it also shows you, well, Mark Henry's not going to fucking decide the world title. So I won't just change the channel and tune back in at 850 when it's the last time. It's like you didn't know when it was going to end. Dude, so many moments in this match. It was just just bonkers to see it live. I mean, it looked like they were killing each other live. And I don't know what it looked like on television. But live, it was so damn violent. And Hangman was so explosive. And, and there was just so many uh, uh, unbelievable moments. The, I, I think the moment of the night, and it's just one of the best moments in AEW, is uh, Hangman doing the jumping jacks, right? That was, that was beautiful. Uh, 
Yeah, they're right after that. What we got? If we're talking about the full hour, then CM Punk. Okay, so I've been watching a lot of 1997 uh, Raw, right? Because we did Mankind for Christmas. Go back and listen to it. It was a lot of fun, right? Um, and so I, I, I loved what I watched of Mankind in 97. So I've been watching a lot of it. And when MJF came out to have a match, I was like, man, he shouldn't be able to walk out there without CM Punk attacking him. It doesn't make sense. And that's how Austin was back in the day. You know, it, it, if Austin wanted to fight someone, it became the Stone Cold Steve Austin show because the whole night was him standing in the ring until that guy showed up, you know? Um, so when the match starts and then Punk comes out, it was just so damn cool, man. It really, it felt like 19, like a 1997 Raw, uh, at least the first hour did. And, and I, I couldn't be happier. The Wardlow thing is, such a cool goddamn storyline and there's so many places you can go with all of this i thought what punk said was great i thought what mjf said was great and mjf had him for a moment man we thought mjf won that that battle but then punk had that wrestlemania comment which i think you know it, it, I, I don't think it was better than mjf but it could be perceived that way and so that was dude that segment was i think that was the was best segment cute. maybe right was that was that mjf uh, MJF and I, mean, I mean, if you don't count the match, you know, I mean, like, I mean, for me, there's nothing like that hangman page, Brian Danielson match. Look, the hangman page, Kenny Omega match. That was the end of that story. And it was a wonderful end to that story. But this match last night felt like the coronation of hangman as the champ. This felt like, okay, this guy, this guy is coming uh, into his own and credit to AEW for letting him come into his own and not, you know, having Brian Danielson win in a small package, which is, you know, something another promotion would do like impact used to do that shit all the time. Uh, so I, I was just, I mean, I was just really excited about that entire match. And, um, you know, uh, I, man, I, I, I just don't think you get better than that as far as just a pure, pure storytelling in the match. And as far as how Brian was selling in that match, I mean, it was just, for me, you know, five, six, seven star match. Um, my, yeah, this, this is, this is, if, if this was a month ago, this was probably match of the year. I think it, it's maybe better mm -hmm. than Omega, Omega, him. I think the crowd wasn't been, as good, but it is better, right? It's a better match. Yeah. I think it's a better match. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think I mean, it's better match. the energy, you know, it's, it's so much more exciting to see dynamite follow a big bang theory episode instead of, <laughs> of Creed two or the accountant. So, you know, that that I was already in, man. You give me a, a long-ass Chuck Lorre title card, and then, boom, we're into Dynamite. I'm fucking hooked. Uh, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I mean, that opening match was 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 fantastic. Yeah, the judges was, you know, um, they definitely booked that last minute. I mean, because it was, like, you know, I it was proof that Arn wasn't there because it's like, that it was all like 90s you know 2000s guys it should have been like one really old fucker like well, what do you what do you think about me... this mike do, do you think part of the reason is other than like maybe it's covid and they're afraid like some legends wouldn't make it out there or some shit is that it is attitude era guys that are signed with them and so now that they're on this new network tbs it's like at least you get them on for a moment to go like oh yeah they're here too and they can be here any week because they're actually signed as, as opposed to getting a guest or something. Yeah. I don't know, man. It just doesn't feel as prestigious. Like when you look at like the Terry funk flair thing and it's like, Oh, funk funk is there. And then he turns at the end. It's of like, course oh, it's shit. the best, the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel well, like it's the like, COVID trap. And not that, not that, not that that should have happened, but 
you'd at least want the possibility for it to happen. And it, and, and thankfully it didn't, but yeah, I mean, the match was great. I love the uh, MJF uh, punk segment. I thought this was their best since their beginning. And I mean, it just goes to show like, you know, this is what I wanted from punk from the beginning because now he's just there. They're not announcing, you know, punk talks about this or punk does this. It's like, no, he's a part of the fucking program. Cause he's in a feud, uh, that the feud is literally, I just want to kick ass cause you deserve it is great. Um, I would not have used the black guy as an actual prop after Tony's tweet on Friday. <laughs> I'll say that, <laughs> but I, I didn't even think of that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can. Hey man, yeah. he'll get his Mac match with punk. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the fact that, um, you know, that it was like MJF, like got a loss because of it. Like there was a consequence to his cowardice. I thought was great and that that genuinely angered him like the the passion in this promo from both guys was awesome I mean dude this thing's been going since November and it's just as like white hot as as ever uh and then look like the the Jericho 2.0 thing it just I just I just felt like I was like in a Molson commercial it was like the most Canadian shit (laughs) you're a pinhead you're a square head like I, I will say though it was pretty dead on when he called 2.0 Terrence and Phillip. Oh, dude. That is, that is what they feel like. And I remember I was one of those people. I was so fucking in this park that I like I was furious when they were going to announce who Cartman's uh, dad was. And it, they just showed a Terrence and Phillip cartoon instead <laughs> yep, of yes. Without My Anus or whatever. And I, joke, right? yeah. I remember like I was like devastated i didn't watch south park for a while like you just lost a customer i was like so pissed and Mike that's was how really lonely growing up guys just yeah. You know. yeah it was very lonely um but that's how you know the only two people with cartman plushies me and golga uh <laughs> but it was yeah i i i i thought that, that that was fun um but uh yeah the punk mjf stuff is great and it's like look man when you have a match like that opening match like you already have a great show it's like whatever happens next is crazy, yeah. and there was still some great shit on this. Yeah, Robert, what do you think of the first hour? All right. Um, so Brian Page, when they had their first Adam match, Page. that what Adam I said, Adam Brian Page. and Page. Oh, yeah. Brian oh, and Page. Brian oh, and Page. When they Brian had their Page. first match, sorry, when they had their first match, and they had that hour-long match, and I'm like, it was good. It was not epic, game-changing. This is an announcement of they're here. That was what this match was. This was Hangman Page wrestling the way that he needed to when they knew they were not trying to go an hour. And I compared it to the Kurt Brock Iron Man match because in that one, Kurt was trying to pace Brock so he wouldn't blow up. And I feel like that was what they were doing in that last match and they were holding back. This was not holding back. I didn't mind the judges as much because they established all three of them were world champions. So at least you justify why you have these three people there is they are three former world champions who can judge impartially because none of them have a stable. So you can't put Arn out there. He was never world champion. You can't put Taz out there because he has a stable. I would love to have seen Malenko out there, but he was never a world champion. I was surprised hey, they went was with Jerry, where was Jerry winner of a world champion? ECW and ring of honor. ECW, yeah. And ECW, in, yeah. and in, in, uh, AEW. there we go. They're correcting you, Dan. They fucking respect. Jerry Lynn, your dogs are, are, are you're in the doghouse, brother. Yes. 
Uh, AEW is one of those things where they can acknowledge all continuity because they have no rules, and that's kind of fun. I was surprised they went with blood in the first match on TBS because you may be getting a new audience, and then you're seeing this. It made it really intense and interesting and different. Just kind of surprised me that it was in the the opening match. I really like we didn't talk about it, the acclaimed uh backstage promo where they oh, called yeah. staying a boomer and they're like we're gonna show you what to do I, I i dig those guys i think they're great the the sean dean of it really bugged me because he was one of the guys that tony used as a prop to go out and say like no no we have black people and we're really good and he's the guy who's their their coordinator for extras so he posted something about how great tony is and i feel like this was his reward like Hobbs in two weeks will win the world title for his post, but this was Sean Dean got a win over MJF. I like the idea of this. The or Hobbs, man. Poor <laughs> Hobbs, dude. Or Hobbs. He tried everything like he still had on TV. Yeah, uh the promo um, after was great. I like I like the the jabs about uh not being able to main event WrestleMania and then Punk taking the shot at WrestleMania being a four night event, you would have been fired. I like that Max's whole gimmick right now is if I don't get respect here, I'm going to go to the other company. That feels very ECW. I enjoy all that stuff. Uh, the Jericho thing, the crowd was happy to sing his song. So I'm happy for that. And my wife walked by, heard the Terrence and Phillip line and laughed. And then them, him trying so hard to get the pinhead uh, thing over was it was uncomfortable and we've seen this a couple of times from Chris where he gets an idea he thinks it's funny and he's trying really really hard um, the Undisputed Era going after Jake Atlas felt super random and weird like there was no oh, reason wait, for Robert, Adam let me Cole introduce you. let me interrupt you um, happy anniversary to Chris Jericho's wife January 6th <laughs> oh, yes yes that's right oh my gosh <laughs> big uh big day for big day for her big week for them um on and- this day she saw clearly <laughs> and leaned towards the right um oh the one thing that kind of bugged me about the the, the brian page match was i think scott said it because you were there live the crowd was felt more split as opposed to just a hundred percent behind adam page in the last match they they were all in it's a New Jersey crowd. I get it. You're going to be a little smarter, but I felt kind of bad when it's like they're cheering for Danielson when he so wanted to be booed as the dastardly heel uh, and bleeding. And and then the Wardlow match was fucking awesome. I love that dude. I think mm-hmm. he's got great facials. He gets what he's doing with the power bombs. Sean Spears sells it all really well as being they annoyed also about a it. That was a little shithead, which is what they needed. Yeah, Sam Brano or something. Yeah. Uh, the only thing about that guy, and this is my last note on this, when he got powerbombed like 15 times, he should have not moved. He rolled out of the ring. He should have been fucking dead. Because yeah. to me, the powerbomb is, is my favorite move in wrestling. Because yeah. I remember when, when Diesel did it to Bob Backlund at Madison Square Garden, in that little camera video, and Backlund was dead. Like, the powerbomb is it. That is the you don't get up. The dude, as the extra, maybe Captain Sean Dean was busy basking in his big win over MJF. I forgot to tell him, when you get powerbombed, you sell it like death and you don't move. I, I, you know, I, it's funny because Jericho's wife literally did try to break the walls down. <laughs> but what's, what's fascinating too, is, you know, we, we really have to give credit to uh, Danielson and Paige for having the same level of violence and intensity as Ty Conte and Annie, Anna Jay versus Penelope Ford and the bunny. <laughs> hey, that was a good ass match. felt like a war concert. Oh, and yeah, I do want to say wild. one last positive thing about AEW before we get into hour two, and there's going to be none of that from me. Um, uh-huh. The ads that they were running 
the print ads that were using the old throwback TBS stuff of promoting Bonanza, followed by Little House, followed by Dynamite, followed by Dinner and a Movie. Whoever's there, it's such a great, stupid little deep cut. I really enjoyed that. They were bringing back the old TBS title cards. That was that was awesome. I appreciate that touch. Oh, I want I want to speak on the Jericho thing being there live. Uh, my section, Jericho was bombing hard. And then he said the Terrence and Philip line and all of us looked around at each other like that was good. That was good. That was good. But we got a kick out of 2.0. I think everybody really enjoys 2.0. I like well, that. They, they got the rub from being on our show, and now they're over. <laughs> exactly. They uh, they just know what they're doing. They're, they're a type of funny that genuinely makes me belly laugh. I, this is not a spoiler, but they do like a backstage promo on Rampage. Uh, and and like they, they said something where it's like suck ass. or Like the way they speak is just so dumb and funny. They're Porky's and, uh, villains. It's great. Yeah, man. They, villains, yeah, you know? dude. They're, yeah. They're both that in just skull, hasn't dude. been to Montreal. <laughs> they just they just talk like French Canadian. Uh, well, that's, it's that's hilarious. Every homegrown uh, JFL show. <laughs> yeah, no right. wonder our from Canada gets a special. Hour two, we have our inaugural TBS title match between uh, Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho. We have a Serena Deeb interview. We have a factory promo, which if you guys have read the spoilers. We're going to get Hook QT Marshall, and uh, holy good God, is that going to be a barn burner? Malachi Black versus Brian Pillman Jr., and the Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express for the AEW tag title. Spoiler alert, new AEW tag title. Tag team champions, Jurassic Express, and get well, Ray Phoenix, for breaking his arm in that nasty fucking... No, no, he didn't break break it. it. It was just located it. Just just dislocated? Yeah. Yeah. So... No, um, no, no. It's like confirmed now. He's just going to be off for a few weeks. It's dislocated. That was fucking brutal looking. That was yeah, crazy. Man. I want to talk Scott, about, well, I'll, I'll talk about it later. Yeah, what was, what was the mood like in the arena? What, what did you think of the second hour? All right, man. Look, we were pretty exhausted. We were tired. That first hour, I'm, I'm being genuinely serious. It was like an all-timer hour for me in terms of like a wrestling program. I go, hot damn, like two segments that are two of your best segments ever, uh, which was MJF Punk and, and the opening match. Uh we, I, dude, we became a new Japan crowd. It felt like the the last hour we just wanted to clap. We enjoyed everything, but we just wanted to clap. And was the match with Jade Cargill versus uh, Ruby Soho good? No, it was Does, better than the Thunder Rosa match. I will say sure. that. Does Jade Cargill look like a star? I mean, on television, obviously, live, it's insane. She she looks. It's like more appealing than I, I can't explain it. It's she's she's the most interesting person there when you see her live. Somehow, it's, Unbe- uh, unbelievable physique. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. And uh, so you know the the storm. She was dressed like Storm, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I I knew she was gonna win. I don't think it's because of Tony Khan's tweet uh, that she won. I think she was gonna win, even though I don't agree with Tony Khan's tweet at all. That was really shitty of him. Um, yeah, okay, so that match happened. I'm glad she won, but at the same time, what are you going to do now? Because she, she can't really wrestle. Also, yeah, and well, I know I don't think you guys saw this, but her daughter, her, she has like a little daughter. and uh, No, no, they, they cut to it a lot. Yeah, Her in the ring and her walking back with her? No, they cut and to her ringside her before ring to say. Oh, no, she brought her in the ring with her, and then she walked to like the back with her waving, and that was really amazing. And, and also because I, I watched the, uh, a bit of the replay, this morning 
Hangman, after his match, you know, this is a major problem I have with AEW. When you have, like, big moments, especially victories, you got to let it breathe so we give a shit. So we see the champion emotional or how exhausted they are. Like, all of that matters so much. And when the camera's cut after the Hangman match, he's, like, he's standing outside the ring and he starts doing jumping jacks again and then leaves and everybody goes ape shit. And then Danielson is trying to be, like, they're trying to help him to the back. And he's like gushing blood and he grabs the tape and starts wrapping it around his own head as he like storms out of it was just like amazing. Terry Funk style. That's awesome. It, yeah, it was so good. So good. And, and it really pissed me off that we, you know, you don't get to see that. Do that in picture in picture, at least if you, uh, at, you know, damn. Can we, can we talk about like that? What the fuck was that Malachi Black, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. match? I mean, I like both of those guys a lot. Yeah, it's I like Pillman like, Jr. I like them a lot. I like both of those guys a lot. I just thought that I'm like, what's what's the story what story are we telling are we setting up house of black like what's what's going on here this well they're is- definitely setting up house of black yeah. uh and i think they're kind of setting up pillman being tougher you know getting stronger right. and like last night you know he had the mullet pulled back into a ponytail and he it, it seemed like he wrestled a little more i liked it live but no nobody really cared uh i, I think the ending it wasn't intentional. I think he was supposed to be in midair and, and Malachi was going to kick him, but I thought it was a great save and it looked like it was supposed to happen. The ending of that match. So I, can't I kept thinking that because Julie Hart had the, had the coat buttoned up the whole time. I thought that she was going to open the coat and it was going to be like the NWO thing, but like house of black. And yeah. Was- yeah. Yeah. I thought she was going to do something. And I don't know. Maybe she what did. What was Maybe the pop like live for the title change? <sighs> Dude, did I don't know. wake up? What, what do you mean by t- oh you mean the main event the tag title yeah, the, the tag the, match the tag oh yeah man we loved that and also live we we didn't know how serious Ray's injury was um, and I don't know if you guys did watching it on TV but yeah immediately and it's like sometimes oh, okay. I don't notice that shit but he was like screaming in pain and like pointing at his arm yeah so so you know I just saw him crash through it I I didn't you know so yeah I loved it, it you know it, a, a little clunky in spots but. Yeah, people went nuts when they won, and everybody loved. I I know it kind of came off weird live, right? Because they like cut to Jericho, and he was just kind of sitting there, like lazily. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a th- that was J- Jericho popping for his himself on the Titan Tron? Yeah, twice he did it that. twice. It was the same reaction. I'm like, you've been doing this for 30 years, dude. dude. I just yeah, oh, I just look at me. I didn't get it because like I really did like the idea of like all of the you know future challengers coming out i think that's a cool fucking thing oh it was so cool live it was so cool live yeah. and then it's like but then it's like santina i'm sorry <laughs> santana and ortiz uh you know they're not down there they're like in the sky box it's like okay like shouldn't they be down there you don't want to take away from the gun club dancing to jurassic express's theme song <laughs> that was rough man. which was, was awesome that was that was rough but um yeah, I mean, look, man, it was it was also really nice to see, you know, Jungle Boy's mom and his uh, his sister crying in the audience and, you know, emotional. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the second hour before Robert destroys it? <laughs> I thought I thought it was decent, you know, but like, yeah, giving Cargill that much time. Um, I mean, the fact that she's 23 and 0 and I don't really know anyone else in the company that is there anyone else? undefeated with that many wins right now because the gun's lost so uh, <laughs> but i i just yeah, to me the stuff with her kid 
it was great, but it's like it feels weird to have that and the Mark Sterling guy. Like to me, it's like an immediate baby face thing that your daughter's there and you know, and she was like so fucking happy for the you know her mom and you know Jade. Like I know that the daughters at a lot of the matches and points her out. I mean that's cool on a human level, and then it's like make her a baby face because it does not work as a heel to me. You you think she should have went up to her daughter and been like, "Let's go!" and like grabbed her by the hand, <laughs> like rushed out. Grab her hand. Stop fucking embarrassing yeah. me. It just doesn't feel like a you know like, I mean, unless there's a way to to heal it where it's like she takes care of her daughter better than all the other wrestlers. <laughs> but I I thought I mean it's like you know R- R- Ruby Soho you know it, it was kind of sad where it's like she lost. And then Britt Baker called her a Lex Luger and like a choker. And it's like, yeah, she kind of is. And then um, the, the the Malachi stuff, I, I just, yeah, I don't, I just, it's hard for me to care. And I thought that the title change, it was well done. Like this was a great, like, you know, if you are watching this for the first time episode, you saw a great title retention at the beginning. Here's your champions. And then, you saw a title change with like two really fun, cool looking characters. And uh, I mean, look, man, if this is what they have to do with Christian, I'd rather him be this mascot than, than in the ring 15 minutes uh, an episode. But it's all set and tore up towards a Christian jungle boy match. That's where this story. But, but at the same time, it felt weird. Like when they won and Christian was like mugging a lot. Like I, I felt like it should have been more about just, <laughs> luchasaurus and jungle boy and the journey they've been on together mike mike do you know how hard it was to try to get a picture while i'm there of the two new champions holding their titles without christian in the frame like yeah. I try, i'm trying to zoom in and get his body his leather jacket away from them so i could get a solid photo yeah man he, yeah he, just he, let he, them have their moment yeah he should have chased dude to the back and not have returned why return yeah I you're, setting up the, you're setting up the Christian Jungle Boy match. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not anti. I don't that. mind it. Well, Jericho, re- remember, uh, uh, Jungle Boy took Jericho to the limit that one time. Oh, yeah. And you know he's with Proud and Powerful, and there's this kind of maybe he'll he'll be in their corner or some shit. And you know Christian is in Jungle Boy and uh, and Luchasaurus's corner. But, but also- it was cool live. One second, it was cool live because them looking around and knowing that like wrestlers were somewhere in the crowd you know like it was cool it, it felt like a, a really fun ending to a show of like oh no will our heroes survive like it yeah was, yeah man it was like the end of a of an old batman it was fun. It's like that it's like mortal Kombat at the end when you see shao khan like Ooh. yeah uh, man it was, talk it was about a blast. annihilation but it was a blast but you know pushing jericho to his limits isn't that hard i mean the Two for one Chili's appetizer night has pushed Jericho to his We could take those down easily. Um, I will, I will, I do want to point out before we get an hour two. I was very complimentary of hour one. I thought it was an excellent hour of TV. It was awesome. Um, first thing with, with Jade Cargill, I had the note about her kid there when you're portraying her as this uh, evil, opportunistic, unstoppable monster. And then it's like, and there's her daughter who's happy to see her. The storm costume looked cool, but from an aesthetic standpoint, I feel like I'm Dan. Don't cover up her abs. 
Her abs are genuinely super impressive. You should never be covering those up, especially because this is your first show on TBS. You could be getting a new audience. You want to show off how impressive a physical give her, specimen. Give her an Austin Aries cape. Yeah, also give her the George Clooney Batman nipples. <laughs> there you That's go. Funny. They should have given her that. But th- this match... is that she has an actual better physique than the comic book character Storm. <laughs> yes. Um... I watched Mandy Rose versus Cora Jade versus Raquel Gonzalez. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe women's wrestling is, is not for me. And then I watched Ruby Soho versus Jade Cargill. And I said, give me more Mandy Rose. Uh, poor Jade. Bless her heart. She looks so I lost. Think, I actually think that triple threat was worse than that. That triple, so. Yeah, but that triple threat, all three of them were terrible. I felt bad for Ruby because she was here trying to handhold Jade Cargill. This match should have main evented Rampage when they could have clipped it because this would have been better with some editing where you don't see- It's a TBS title. It's the first time the title's on. Well, then don't put, I said before, it shouldn't have been Jade Cargill in this spot all along. I said, I I didn't want to see them. I should have been, if it was Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho in a great back and forth match where you had Mercedes Martinez interfere, you would have given the crowd an awesome match on TBS with a finish that goes forward. Jade Cargo watching her like rolls, like watching like tumbling in like Jimboree gymnastics. Sometimes it was very disjointed. It didn't do her any favors. Um, then they went to that Serena Deeb, Jim Ross backstage interview, which I don't know if they showed that to the crowd, Scott. So, so, so we saw that in Tony Khan came out a bunch throughout the night, man. And, uh, and he, he also came out when Jade walked, was walking up the ramp he came out and hugged her um but so the serena deep thing we saw in between the tapings of dynamite and rampage i loved it but yeah tell me what you thought i i i was in love with that i thought the it was professor really cool of that. wrestling is the dumbest fucking the professor no, wrestling is up, and then her and wrote, no, no, i literally I wrote PhD down i have a phd cool. phd in this shit as being the dumbest thing i think i heard no, Monty, cool. jim ross no, seems cool. so bored and then they're talking about how certain, like, well, who He's can beat me? Bored. He's trying to make Serena T his next wife. Are you kidding? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, he's trying to play him. it cool. But him talking <laughs> about how nobody can beat Serena Deeb, and it's like, well, you haven't established her as anything impressive or important. When you have Britt Baker, who's impressive and important, it just felt very weird and disjointed. Like this came from another show. Nah, dude. Deeb is going to kick Sheeta's ass next week. I'm sure she will. And I'm going to enjoy fast forwarding through it. Malachi Black and Brian <gasps> Pillman Jr. was, uh, it was weird having Julia Hart out there with the eye patch because I thought the same thing as Dan, like she's going to turn heel. She just looked kind of bored uh, for what was supposed Isn't that to be. funny? We just think somebody with one eye has to be heel. No, she looks bored <laughs> because handicap. something's going on with her. Something's yeah, going something's on going with on with her. her. She doesn't want to be out there anymore. Uh, what was <laughs> weird possessed was possessed by Malachi. Pillman's coming, for, Pillman's coming for revenge on Griff Garrison getting his head kicked in. And him blow and Malachi Black blowing this this mist into her eye and blinding her. And then you get clean breaks in the first few minutes of this match, which was just <laughs> a, a poor guy. Also, Pillman's getting a little doughy, which uh, maybe keep him away from uh, from catering. It, they brought Penta and Phoenix out and then they cut the lights and it sounded like everybody in the crowd assumed this was going to be Brody King. And then it wasn't. And then Penta and Phoenix walked to the back just to do their entrance for the main event two minutes later which felt kind of weird. Um, the QT Marshall Aaron Solo promo was awesome because my wife pointed out that Aaron Solo looks like the kid that fucked Mary Kay Letourneau. And now I can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, looks like. 
Yeah, it looks like. Um, I'm, look, I'm excited for QT and Hook whenever we get that. That's going to be my match of the year. Well, my Let's only complaint about QT and Hook is that apparently Hook already put hands on QT. You can't have those guys touch until it's the main event. Brother, they, they, they gave it away. Spoiler alert. Like, are people going to get mad we spoiled Rampage? You know, you grow up. No, no Tony Khan spoils it every week. Dude, so he fights that Aaron whatever. Yeah, so uh, Sorkin, whatever his name is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right? Yeah, he, uh, he, uh, I would be actually Hook versus a coked up Aaron Sorkin would be an amazing yeah. match. He, uh, he beats him, obviously. You know, Hook rules, man. Oh, by the way, we were dead for Rampage, and we went ballistic for Hook. Uh, he's super over. It, the hype is real, man. He walks out, and even though he's smaller than almost everybody, he looks bigger than all of them. I know that sounds weird, but he is so cut that oh, you're how like... how you carry yourself. Yeah, man. You're like, oh, he's going to murder. He looked bigger than almost everybody there, and um, which is so strange. And he fucks and- QT up, right? Dude, he fucked QT up. And it was so quick that it was, you know, you guys are going, oh, they're going to have a match. And they probably will. But when you see how quickly he demolishes QT, it's like, oh, he's going to kill him. Like, they're not playing it like, oh, he's going to go toe-to-toe with QT. Like, he embarrassed QT. It was so cool. So cool. I will not stand for this bullshit. First, you insult Aaron Sorkin. Then you go after QT Marshall. This is like when CM Punk last week went after Tim Tebow. And MJF at the same time. I feel personally offended by all this shit. Are you Fuck a you all. Tebow guy? I'm a gator. I'm a diehard gator. So, yes, oh, I love Tim Tebow. He's so lame, dude. He's so fucking lame. Two national titles. I don't want to hear about it. The, what was lame was in the main event, this, this tag hey, match. There we go. Jim Ross, Jim Ross kind of buries the match when they're just doing a bunch of wacky spots. And he's like, well, they really haven't gotten, uh, gotten into it yet. Like, JR was getting so fed up with them just doing wacky stuff that he just it turned into old school jr the thing that disappointed me the most they need to give jr one of those emotional vests they give golden retrievers during thunderstorms like it's really he's starting to get a little too unruly for me they gotta he gotta give him a mask like excalibur to keep his his face uh contained it'll keep him calm what i think killed the the finish and i'm curious what scott's take was in the arena was you're building to this crescendo and then they did another blackout and everybody expected something to happen and then you just got a pinfall and the match was over and it felt kind of anticlimactic because you thought something's going to happen. You've now done two different blackouts while the Lucha Brothers are in the ring. And then it just went straight to a pinfall. And it kind of felt like, wait, what the fuck happened? We were supposed to get something else. And instead, we got this. Okay, here's what I think happened. I think that that Hook was fucking someone in the control room and accidentally kept hitting the light button off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, the he's in Brody uh, King, right? I mean... It, that that's what happened uh right it was live that that penta came out uh penta and phoenix came out to save pillman jr right yeah that's why i said they came out twice in a row yeah yeah, yeah. like they just came out then walked back and then came right back out only to play their music you know yeah but that's obviously because brody is is coming which is cool uh and, and that'll be a lot of fun but yeah, yeah just, there definitely was a sense of disappointment because people want, I mean, people were chanting Brody in, in the crowd. Then don't so, do the yeah. blackout during the main event match. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't like it distracted the Lucha Bros and that's why they lost. Um, it, it felt like the crowd was looking forward to something that they didn't get. I think you could argue that it made them lose momentum and they, and they could say that. Well, no, Penta's arm hanging off its socket was what helped them <laughs> no, lose Phoenix, momentum. Yeah. Or Phoenix, let, let whatever. Me, let, let me just say that... Uh, yeah, because I did not comment on the, the QT Marshall uh, 
promo. It was it was amazing because like the shit that he talked about uh hook just made him seem cooler. He's like, you show up late, you eat potato chips, you hurt people, and you leave. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. First of all, I don't believe for a minute that fucking hook eats potato chips. Like, I don't no. believe for a minute that QT trained Hook if Hook's having good matches. That was that was just something mm-hmm. that mom said to QT, and he like just projected it onto Hook. Yeah, it was uh, also, that, that factory it, shirt though looks pretty sweet, huh? You get QT's face and like a Tony <laughs> Soprano type mold. But but also, where was that I, for Christmas? I, I feel like QT and Hook is the ultimate test for Hook, where it's like, can he stay as over after? <laughs> Oh, dude, he's gonna he's gonna be more over after he beats up QT. I I think that's the thing. I I, I think this is actually perfect that it's QT because people do hate him and they do want to see him, you know, get beat up. And Hook doing it is, you know, it's it's everybody's favorite versus everybody's least favorite. Well, no, that we're saving that for when he gets his hands on Dan Lambert. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, like no. we're saving that. I mean, clearly the the direction is Hook and Cody. That's eventually where. It- where it ends so i'm excited for that um it's the time for the return because it is wrestle kingdom week of new japan corner take it away scott oh 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 i heard they're still big in japan um so yeah man wrestle kingdom uh there was two nights january 4th and 5th i woke up early every morning i woke up at like 3 30 every morning and i uh I, I, I watched uh, almost, you know, all of it, aside from maybe the opening match of the first night. And for the most part, it was, I don't want to say disappointing, but disheartening. It, it still very much feels like COVID there. It, the arena is beautiful, and, and there were definitely moments through both nights that it felt like Wrestle Kingdom. But for the most part, it just didn't. There, there wasn't much of a crowd. They can only clap. They, they can't make noise at all. So you're, you're only clapping to, to title changes, you know, and, 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 and in these giant payoff moments, and you're just clapping. And it, that was a bummer. Uh, but I will, I will give highlights just so people listening can kind of, you know, watch uh, these moments, I guess, like give you what's worth watching. And Dan, you watched it too, right? I did. I watched all the matches you told me to, and I also watched the uh, Jeff Cobb Naito match. Yeah, yeah man. So, the, Scott, what were the best matches? Okay, well, first off, Evil and Ishii had a match on I mean, I heard night that was one, and it was, dude, it wasn't good. Evil ruins everything. You made Ishii have a bad match uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, which was people. Which there was people super that were saying it was worse than Omos and AJ. It was very, 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 very bad. Um, the main event of night one is worth watching. It was Kazuchika Okada versus uh, the, the champion Shingo Takagi. And Okada won, baby. A uh, very good match. Okada, I, I tweeted that Okada looked extra handsome. So I think he might win. And he did. He looked, Dan, extra handsome, right? Look, I'm never going to, you're never going to get me complaining when Okada goes over. Oh, uh, he looks like the champ, man. He came out in a robe, man. It was, it was just yeah. so, so cool. Well, different. It was a more understated robe than. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, having him, well, we'll get to that on night two. But the the highlight of night one for me wasn't even the the main event. And and again, there wasn't many highlights. I wasn't crazy about about the uh, the Desperado versus uh, Takahashi match. 
for the uh, the junior heavyweight title just because I'm not crazy about Desperado. Um, I know it sounds like a foreign language right now, but it is. So uh, the, 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 the major thing that I think everybody should see that might be my high spot of the week is Shibata returned. Um, oh and man, it was just so unbelievable. So he was supposed – Shibata almost died a few years ago in a match with Okada where he headbutted him. Never supposed to wrestle again. Even now, he's not supposed to have a wrestling match, but he can have like a grappling type match, which happened, uh, what, a few months ago, right? Or a month ago. Uh, but this fucking guy, who, who did he face again, Dan? Oh, Ren uh, Narita, he, he fought. Ren yeah, Narita, fought, and it was which, his, my I God, like a little his, tiny Shibata. It's someone that Shibata's training. And dude, he, is training. He, Shibata called an audible. This wasn't supposed to happen. This is legit uh, a fucking shoot. He just chose to have a regular wrestling match. He was supposed to just have a grass. I think that was match. a shoot. I mean, I thought it was. No, apparently it's real, it, man. But... Apparently New Japan isn't going to do anything about it, but apparently it's legit. Wow. That, that, that he decided to just have a wrestling match and it was so good. And I don't mean just so good for him. It was so good. Right. I mean, they didn't do like big right. moves, but every punch was unbelievable. It might be. My favorite match outside of Danielson Hangman for the week. I mean, I just thought the story itself was like, yeah, especially- just unbelievable. You're right. It was the moment. Shabbat is back, man. It, it was really cool to see. Night two. Okay. Only two matches worth watching. Well, maybe yeah, three. It's just a wonderful story they told in that match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Naito fought Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb fought with a hurt knee. He might be out for a while. That was a good match. Uh, Naito beat him. Ta- uh, Tanahashi, right, fought Kenta for the U.S. title, and it was like no rules, so there was like tables and ladders and all. I have this a shit. lot of feelings about this match, dude. Tanahashi <laughs> pushed Kenta off of like the the tallest ladder in the world, and he hit like the I don't know, right near his eye on the edge of a garbage can, and was just pouring Damn. blood. It looked terrible, and then Tanahashi did the high five flow, which is just a five star frog splash. Off the top of the ladder, beat him, retained the title. And then the main event was Okada versus Ospreay. Okada defending his newly won title. And this was, I thought this was fantastic. Dude, this, this felt like a crowd was there. It felt like Wrestle Kingdom. There's a moment where they're both hitting each other and the, the crowd is clapping along with it. And it's like, it's beautiful. It's like this moment where, on, you know, these people can only clap and they somehow made it work. Uh, yeah, Osprey is one of the best in the world. Okada is one of the best in the world. Okada won, and at least it's like, okay, now we have Okada as champion. That's it. <laughs> Dan, what do you got to say? <laughs> it's um, like Okada's champion, and, and it should be that way, right? Because he's well, I look, you're things never are in the me. dump over there right now. It's like it you're feels like a gonna, fresh restart to a few years ago when New Japan actually mattered and Okada was on top. You're never going to get me to shit on uh, making Okada champ. I mean, I think he's, uh, you know, just just uh, the bee's knees, baby. Um, so I wasn't I, – I think the thing that I was disappointed – I love that match. I think that match should be taught in wrestling history books. Uh, I think Osprey's incredible. And anybody who would say to me Osprey, Okada, or Jay White are, are the best wrestlers on the planet, I couldn't argue with them. I don't know if I would agree with them, but I couldn't argue with them, you know. Um, they're, they're, they're all fantastic. Um, I think the thing that made me feel like this did not feel like Wrestle Kingdom was when Naito came out at the end because it just felt like 
oh, this is like a stalling story. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I, they do that sometimes. And and again, I think that that's also a fresh restart it's where it's like, fresh, oh, though, because the whole big the whole big story is Naito was winning at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, and he Okada did, and he did, that. he did, yeah. So now, yeah. what's the story now? And I mean, if you I think that it's Naito your two most beloved match, guys back on top. It's not, you know, there's over, no evil on top. I know if they're over, I'm not saying they're not over, but I, even the Naito Jeff Cobb match, I didn't think that match was that great. Um, and partially because Jeff Cobb blew his knee in the beginning of the net match, which is incredible to see what he was able to do with a blown knee, but also Naito, I don't think is the same guy. I don't think he's the same guy he was a year ago when he fought Tanahashi at G1, but you know, like, look, then there's all, you know, like I'll blow it now. My high spot of the week is that Shibata, Shibata match and that the, uh, come on guys, damn it! That uh, that Shibata uh, the Shibata story that they told, and uh, you know you want to see that guy go on. You don't want to see him get hurt, so um, it'll be interesting how he goes on. But uh, there were things you know it's it's really hard for me to watch a New Japan show and not pick out a couple things that I love. But it did feel a little, in the words of MJF, mid. That's kind of man. my whole takeaway. And as far as the Tanahashi Kenta match, that the spot in the end was great, and they really picked up at the end. But man, the beginning was like a bad garbage match, you know. Like especially for those two guys, I just thought it was like this is just not great. And then they they picked up for sure because I, I think those two guys are super talented. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I was glad I got to see it, but you know, is it my least favorite Wrestle Kingdom that I've watched so far? Yeah, absolutely. Probably, yes. And that was New Japan Corner. <laughs> you can see uh, Mike going into a coma during that. Um, let's, let's do high spots uh, of the week. I just told you it was, it, was the, it was the Shibata match for me. Mike, what was your high spot of the week? My high spot of the week, uh, I'm going to give it to that, yeah, that MJF punk segment. That feud is still fucking hot. Um, they haven't given it away. I'm excited where it goes, you know. You know, Punk was like, I don't want to have to fucking fight Wardlow and all this shit. And now he's going to have to fight Wardlow. But he's he's going to, you know, do whatever he has to, to to beat up MJF. And this shit is, like, really exciting. So, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Robert. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, and I am the advocate for the reigning, defending, undisputed WWE champion Brock Lesnar. Holy shit, did I miss that. That was so fun. In watching Raw, which is usually a few, if you're on something sports entertainment with you know, but that opening uh, segment, seeing Paul Heyman back with Brock, I don't think it'll last. I, I know where they're probably going with this, but for a one off little nostalgia thing of watching Paul Heyman do a master class and how to cut a promo was fantastic. And it was pure joy for me. And I absolutely loved it. Scott. Uh, well, yeah, man, I think we should mention that the Lesnar win, though, you know, the Big E situation is is a major bummer. It is more interesting that Lesnar is champion, and it felt really cool seeing him on Raw as champion. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. But my high spot is, yeah, man, going to Dynamite, driving 18 minutes, boys, walking in easy peasy, chilling, relaxing, and getting home in like 17 minutes. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful night. Uh, again, I've been watching a lot of Raw from 1997, and, and Dynamite feels really special, or at least that first hour. 
Yeah, unbelievable. Um, what was your low spot of the week, Scott? Hmm. It's not going to be Wrestle Kingdom, man. I genuinely, no matter what, I enjoy waking up and watching live wrestling early in the morning. I think it's fun. It, I love the world, you know, well, this part of the world being asleep and me getting to watch something that is going on in prime time somewhere else. Um, I'm a loser. Uh, who I, I guess these, these NXT releases, the current ones, um, I know that feels like a weekly thing is the last time we did a low spot. Was it releases as well? Definitely for the year, <laughs> for the year right? Wow. So yeah, you know, Name William Regal, William Regal is, is, is the biggest one for me because it's like, why not just have him there forever? Have him as an advisor, have him someone just standing there where someone could go, Hey, William, what do you think? Like some brains are worth paying that money for. And, and, and it's just very weird. Just finding out now that Samoa Joe is gone. It's like, at least that's a high spot. And maybe he wants to wrestle again and we could get a CM Punk Samoa Joe match or Danielson Samoa Joe match. Uh, but yeah, the, the, those firings again, maybe okay. something else, but no, it's those firings. I think Mike low spot of the week. Uh, yeah, that uh, we talked about it on the Patreon, but that uh, Tony Khan tweet uh, on, on Friday with the big swall stuff, um, just a summary of that. I thought that if you read the article, big swall did have very valid points and did not deserve uh, the reaction she got from Tony Khan. And I mean, you know, if uh, not being able to wrestle gets you fired from AEW, well, I'll leave it at that. Mike, um, if I will say though, high spot, whoever, uh, whatever cocaine Tony has must be the best cocaine in Florida. Dude. Oh yeah. Again, I saw him a bunch last night. It, it, oh, oh, here's another, uh, rampage spoiler. So during the main event, it's a trios match. It's like a, you know, a no rules match, Eddie Kingston and, uh, proud and powerful versus 2.0, uh, and daniel garcia right well someone throws powder at some point in someone's eyes and some guy in the crowd goes that's tony Khan's stash <laughs> <laughs> which was really cool yeah man i hated that tony Khan shit and he still has definitely gotta apologized. be on coke right I he mean... still hasn't apologized and he should apologize it's super shitty to say that that she wasn't a good wrestler it's like dude you you own a fucking company be an adult don't don't show us that you're a little baby i don't want to see this shit it really, really gross. Yeah, it's, oh, and kudos know, it's to like, Leo Rush. I know I said it on the Patreon, but Leo Rush was like, nah, fuck this. And uh, yeah. It's also to me, you know, it is a company that I love and you just want to root for. And it's like, you see that, you're like, God damn it. <laughs> Can there just be a wrestling company that I know, doesn't so make me feel terrible? It's almost as if you shouldn't have a billion dollars and it turns you evil, you know? Or watch wrestling if you want to be moral in any way possible. Yeah. yeah. Or um, it's like I say about Benoit, just watch what's on TV. None of the behind the scenes stuff, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Well, I don't know if I can co-sign with that, but um, <laughs> you don't watch Benoit matches. You don't watch Benoit. No, matches. I do. I do. I do love. This. I, 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 do. I do love Benoit matches. I don't. They they give me nightmares, truly. But uh, I would. But I um, Rob, Robert, what was your low spot of the week? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tie for the 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 Tony Khan tweet and the NXT releases. I think the Tony Khan tweet highlights 
something I pointed out a number of times, which is the biggest liability that AEW has sometimes is Tony Khan because he's not an experienced executive. He has kind of plenary authority, can do whatever he pleases. And sometimes he goes to an instinct that made sense in the moment, which was he felt Big Swole was attacking him and his company when she was raising what she felt were fairly legitimate concerns about diversity issues that she's seen on the product. And I didn't like the fact that his response to it was, was not just, you know, we are, we're a diverse company committed to this. It was that you attack somebody for their craft, for their job, uh, for their livelihood when you're the owner of a company. And it now makes it harder for her to get work. And she's now been harassed after this has happened. You need to think a little it was very Clear. Dana White esque. It was it, yeah, it was, it was very erratic Gross. and weird, and not and and not well received backstage by the the people in AEW generally across the board. Uh, the NXT releases were were a, a major bummer for me. It's, it's just looking at these guys. Ryan Katz uh, was a really talented writer for WWE. He did a lot of the NXT stuff during the NXT heyday. And then they they moved him over to SmackDown for for a while. Uh, Dave Kapoor had been there forever. He was Runjan Singh. Super he nice had guy very Super nice guy. Nice. Had an insane run. Um, Road Dog was always really reliable backstage. And that Scott Armstrong, if if AEW were to pick up Scott Armstrong, he would single handedly make their product better simply because Scott Armstrong was the guy responsible for training all the WWE referees. And he would knock out a lot of the shit that bothers us about some of the AEW refs, especially Remsburg during Dynamite was fucking all over the place with his bullshit. But to tone it down and have them like you're there to facilitate the match, make the matches better, not make it about you. That's always been Scott's thing. And he's instilled that in those guys. Um, the the And the fact that he's wrestled in the 90s makes him qualified to judge uh, championship matches. Exactly. Uh, and And Regal. Them getting rid of Regal, you're getting rid of a guy who was one of the best scouts that they had, who genuinely, like, like Gerald Briscoe for a long time, Regal would go to all these small independent shows and find the guys that they should be talking to. When guys came into WWE, not just the wrestlers, but the announcers, the referees, the staff, he would sit and talk with all of them and give them advice when he didn't have to do that. He was probably the best authority figure WWE ever had on camera outside of Vince himself. Because he could carry himself with, with a presence. He could do the comedy stuff. He's a, a, a tremendous loss across the board. It's clear they don't want anything to do with the NXT that Triple H had made. NXT was a complete and total failure for Vince McMahon. Because all they were supposed to do was build a main eventer for WrestleMania. Build your Braun Breaker. Build your Von Wagner. Whatever it's going to be. The big jacked up Grayson Waller kind of guy. Uh, and what Hunter built was the best independent wrestling promotion in the world that is now basically AEW. Um, Hunter, Hunter is the reason AEW is what it is in a lot of ways. He recruited wow. the best. He recruited a lot of the best in-ring guys. He recruited a lot of the best guys in the back. He showed that it's viable on a mainstream scale to have that sort of ring of honor pwg style and that the audiences will show up which is all the proof of concept that tony khan would have needed to say we can do this on a grander scale with aew yeah and but it was called all in not nxt look look triple um, h was able to give us all of the great matches he look, couldn't give us himself 
Exactly. He was he was always selfless when it didn't involve him anymore. Hey, uh, I, I, I do want to say this. This is actually my low spot of the week. Um, so Jake Atlas and Adam Cole had a match on Rampage. Right. And those are two former NXT guys. And Jake Atlas, you know, this is the first match on the show. And, and Jake Atlas comes out. Awesome entrance. Really cool gear. And like he's got like this shirt on whatever it really it it looks like they're going to push him right they have a long match and it's great it's a great match nobody cared i cared i really liked it it was dead silent the whole match they did not care about jake atlas and then he hurt his knee i don't know what happened but it looked like he blew out his knee and and the finish isn't as bad as it sounds when when you see it because when you see it it looks like adam cole took advantage of an injury and made him tap you know um which works fine it worked fine it I didn't even, I thought it was possibly, possibly planned, Hello. but, oh yeah, I'm still here. I thought it was possibly planned, but, um, yeah, man, that was a bummer. Just seeing, just seeing Jake not get the love that that match deserved because it was very good. And then to see him get hurt, it broke my heart live, man. I felt really bad. Well, it's tough to keep a crowd engaged after that hangman match. Like that was a, your main event of WrestleMania kind of match. And then you're expecting people to be engaged for another what three hours that's that's a challenge hey so joe just tweeted samoa joe tweeted uh extremely fortunate and grateful to all the young and amazing talent i had the pleasure of working with in the past months only saddened at the loss of an excuse to see their continued growth and achievement i'm very excited for their future and mine nice that's nice very classy Joe's awesome. Um, all yeah, right, Joe. Twitter question wait, of the wait, week. Wait, wait, one second. I didn't get my low spot. My low spot of the week, Big E's title run. Um, I, uh, you know, like, look, I thought Brock should have gone over. Um, I, I have no problems with that. My, my thing is, like, the last two Big E promos have been really good, and I don't think that guy was given a fair shake. You know, I, I think that, like, like Jinder Mahal showed, like, showed ass. You know, they took the title away from him because he showed ass and he couldn't cut it. Big E could cut it. Uh, he needed some time to marinate. He needed some time to figure out who that was. But the last two promos, when he was himself, he was that that guy was coming through, and he should have been given, you know, he should have been given not just for him but for the company an opportunity to you know to see what he could have done with Cena and 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 with the Cena type push. And you no, know, who knows? Maybe this is all setting up for him winning the Rumble and. In that case, I will have I will I will gladly take this low spot back. But I, I just don't think that Biggie ever got a fair shake uh, in that company as far as the title run is concerned. That's my no. Th- this felt a lot like Punk's first title run in WWE, where they didn't yes. give him any real shot, but they were yes. like, "Let's see what he does." Biggie has proven, especially in the last few weeks, that's a guy they can get behind going forward if they actually gave him proper proper build. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little depressing. But, Mike, go for it. Okay, Twitter question of the week. Um, let's say Brandy Rhodes actually hosted an open mic night. Give us a wrestler, and what would they be doing on stage? So, at SmartNate01, Arn Anderson recites the entire Waffle House menu from memory. <laughs> At six five five three two one underscore king, Teddy Hart comes out and starts to talk, but leaves when it's explained that this isn't a deposition about the whereabouts of his missing girlfriend. 
<laughs> F Rosa FGC Jericho brings out the list of Jericho, but the only thing on it are conspiracy theories about vaccines and the new world order. <laughs> At Chom One AK Luchasaurus goes full Jeff Dunham using Marco Stunt as a puppet. <laughs> well, now it would be Christian, I guess. Uh, At Blender HD Sid signs up to do edgy prop comedy with a pair of scissors. But storms out when someone wishes him to break a leg up there. <laughs> At Kansas City Mab, I'm not sure, but I knew no, I do know that Brandy would introduce most of the people with sentences ending in Heffa out of nowhere, and it would feel weird. <laughs> At Hackney McVapid, Ric Flair would fuck the stool. <laughs> At the Burt 88, Shinsuke Nakamura, and he just defends the Intercontinental title. I feel it's the only chance we have to see that title defended again. <laughs> At MK Telic, Tony Khan takes the stage and tells the audience about his black friend Brandy. <laughs> At Dan Bean Sports, Jim Cornette just walks on stage and says, Take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Finally, man. at D underscore Tesso. Dan Lambert complains about how comics are all a bunch of pussies nowadays and talks about when comedy had real men like Bill Cosby and Louis C.K. Then he introduces his new favorite act, Kyle Rittenhouse reading excerpts from Tucker Max. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know the the Tucker Max, you know. Um, (laughs) All right, greatest Twitter fans in the world. Next week, uh, they're going to be doing what you guys are going to be doing, I guess, some form of the 10 count. I don't know. I don't know what y'all are doing next week. Um, I will be gone. I'm going to, I was debating whether or not to tell you this, this but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. True. Um, I am going back to alcohol rehab. So I was um, smoking um, a lot of weed and then that turned into drinking again. Um, I'd like to blame it on some family medical issues, but you know, it's just something I've always struggled with in my life. So I'm going to go get help again. It's not the first time. Um, that I've fallen on my face with this, but hopefully it will be the last time. So I want to thank my hosts for stepping up and, and taking care of this while, uh, while baby uh, sees what it's like to live without a bottle for a little bit. Oh, we're proud of you, brother. Oh, thank yeah, you. Um, so that going to rehab is the most wrestling thing about this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> while I'm in rehab, we'll be doing a Jake, the snake Roberts roast. Which, yeah. Can you uh... get some of my favorite guys autographs while you're there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and by um... the way, we're going to have to make sure that we don't say Jake, the snake Jermaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely on limits for that roast. So yeah. yeah but, I can't uh, wait till, uh, I can't wait till Moxley gets a restraining order against you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like Dan can afford Malibu. <laughs> I know the, the, they're all assholes on the show with the roast jokes, but uh, they're all really good guys in real life. So thank you guys for yeah, man, we love you. And uh, I will be back. Um, you know, um, I, I would say better than ever before. I'll just say not. I'll be back not drunker than I was before. So. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that'll be it listen, uh, listen listen we just want to say to our fans if he doesn't do raw reviews anymore just be glad he's alive we love you dan uh, and we wish the best for you man um, thank you i was debating yeah. whether or not to say anything but it's going to be weird if i don't say anything so there you go mike what do you got to plug next week 
Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, Mike Lawrence comedy and, uh, the next episode of this show will air on my 39th birthday. So it's exciting. Birthday. Yeah, I'll, man. I'll send, you, um, I'll send you some art from the rehab room. Nice. <laughs> um, Last time I was in rehab, like inpatient, I had to paint Easter eggs. So I don't know. I'm just maybe Valentine's Day hearts for you this year. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just using that. To, I'm just saying that so that when I pitch a segment for next week that bombs, um, please be nice to me. <laughs> uh, Scott. They make you paint Easter egg. That sounds like something they make uh, like Lenny from Of Mice of Men do so he doesn't crush things, you know? Like, I mean, there's, the there's, Easter there's, egg a, without there's, Scott, there's a lot of parallels. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of parallels. Uh, uh, almost everybody who goes to rehab has pet a rabbit too hard. Um, <laughs> of, 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 of Moxley and men. <laughs> <laughs> How annoying would it be for Moxley if I was his roommate in rehab? <laughs> I show up with a t-shirt like, look, I know you're going through a hard time, but... Um, do, do you remember when you teamed with Kurt Angle? Brian Danielson feud if you guys didn't go to rehab. Nick Cage really like that? Dan has the interest of Jeff Hardy and the body of Bubba Ray Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, who else is to plug stuff? Uh, Scott? Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram and Russell Rose on Twitter. Also buy our t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Also Robert. fuck ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh yeah, that's too, designed man. an awesome shirt for you guys. So good. Uh, oh, Mike is again with the sponsors. Sorry, we, I have a Pro Wrestling Mike, t-shirt. Mike's character on the show is Philip Seymour Hoffman and Big Lebowski. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pro Wrestling Tees pissed on our rug. We made a, we finally made the It's Dope shirt and they rejected it because they sell AEW merch and they don't want to accept uh, the shirt. We'll find another avenue for you guys to get this. I'll post the logo Let's, online. It a, looks awesome. A, please post a, that logo because I, I need that shirt. We, dude, we it's an, I want out. that fucking shirt. Dude, I'm excited so to bad. wear that. It was going to be the only how, how AEW a, merch I'd wear. T-shirt of, this, will, this will get everybody on board. A t-shirt of Tony Khan and a dashiki. I think he'll like that. We'll like that. Maybe just Black History Month, and it's Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and Tony Khan. That's a list. A list of all the times uh, Dante Martin won on Dark. <laughs> uh, our first sign should have been that he named a show Dark. Um, anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. Uh, I still will be doing something to sports entertainment with. And much like when I'm watching Raw all by myself yelling into a vacuum, I will be doing the uh, the Patreon recaps of Raw uh, for it. But it's going to be uh, – it'll still be a blast. And, uh, Dan, we, we obviously all wish you, uh, wish you the best uh, in your future endeavors. Well, I appreciate that. Sorry, Nick Khan you just know, fired uh, you. I don't know if you uh, saw that. Originally, uh, Tony Khan called Dante Martin the lightest dark. So that's how. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please don't remember that joke for when I leave. Uh, that's the cruiserweight division name that they're going to go with going forward. <laughs> Man, uh, this 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 uh, episode is going to have more cuts than <laughs> NXT roster. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh man! Or Dan's bad. roommate John Moxley after a week of them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John would have to go right back into rehab if he was my roommate. Sorry, all Renee. right, folks. I tried. Thank you guys. Thank you all for uh, tuning in, and uh, let's uh, let's make this year better than the last one. All right, take care, Zach. Zach, wash your hands.
Woo!